0: Another episode of the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. I'm Jacob Craig, and our guest tonight
1: is former local comedian Genevieve Murdoch. She also hosts the So What Did I Miss podcast. Genevieve, how are you doing?
2: What's up? I'm doing great. Just coming off a long day of hard labor hmm. and um, ready to to talk about stuff. I got my cup. Yeah,
1: you you do have your cup. You have your cup full of moonshine. (laughs) We were talking uh, before the podcast about how you and Jason have never met before, and I didn't realize this because we met at like the same shows that me and Jason go to all the time.
0: Maybe it was.
2: I think we've been in the same room together.
1: (sighs) You've definitely been in the same room together.
0: Maybe we just never (laughs) met in person. Because there was a lot of times that, you know, there were nights that I missed or couldn't be there. Maybe you were there on the nights that I wasn't there.
1: Well, we would ride over together to the open mics at the first one at Alabama Music Box. Mm -hmm. And then the second one when it moved to the Merry Widow. And that's where I met Genevieve. And I don't think we had a conversation in person. But I found you on Facebook and friended you because in comedy it's socially acceptable to do that <laughs> after you just you know see um, someone do a set.
2: We laughed really hard at each other's jokes. Yeah. We shared a connection deeper than meeting.
1: Yeah, a little bit, and and then I don't remember which one of us DM'd each other. I think you might have DM'd me. I was like, "Hey, good set," and I was like, "Yeah, you too." And then we started talking or whatever. But uh, you really impressed me. The first time I saw you, because I'd never seen you before, and I could tell that you were new. I could tell that you were a bit of a rookie. And then the second time I saw you was a month later, and you had a completely flushed out, great ten-minute set. I thought it was the set of the night, and I thought to myself, like, did this? Did she really improve that much in one month? Like that was kind of ridiculous to me. It blew my mind a little bit
2: yes i did and what i did is well i quit drinking at set and that helped well
3: yeah and i mean also, that, that
2: um helps. oh i stopped fucking with people okay what i did is october 15th 2019 i was in atlanta and i was at an open mic at a vape shop and i decided then that i wanted to be a comedian And that was the first time that I did stand up. And from that moment forward, I just gradually started cutting other stuff out of my life. So by the time you saw me the second time, I had like that was like the day before I moved to Denver.
3: Yeah, I had already
2: like I gave up sex. I wasn't drinking. All I was doing was going to work. And I worked at a motel. I was night security and front desk at a like shitty motel i mean actually it's one of the better corporations i worked for even though they're probably also the worst but anyway (laughs) i was working at a motel all night so i was doing nothing all night but writing and then the only thing that i did in my social life was go to comedy and so that's all i did and i got exponentially better
1: yeah i mean
2: oh i sold my soul to the devil
1: (laughs) oh yeah I mean, that's what I was thinking, because it's just, I know the mobile scene, because that's that's where you uh, were before you moved to um, Denver, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I know that scene's a lot different than ours, but, like, on our scene, here in uh, on the coast, for someone to go from a, you know, a, a five-minute set to, like, a a solid ten-minute set, like, I could put this person on a feature spot. It, it's almost unheard of. Like, I, I I don't know of anyone around here who's, who's improved that much in that short amount of a time.
2: Well, I kind of had an advantage because, um, like, my whole background is tangentially related. Like, by the time I started stand-up, I've been podcasting for a long time, so it's like I speak humorously off the cuff. And then, um, like... Even when I was, like, in middle school, I went to Dunbar Performing Arts Magnet School, and I was in their theater program, and I did writing. And there would be times where they would pull me out of class to, like, write some original theater material, walk around the playground memorizing it all day, and, like, perform it for a recruitment show that afternoon. Hmm. So I had that. I also had, like, performance poetry, which I've been doing for many years. And so it's like comedy was just, like... It was like a new writing performance project for me. Um, and also it's like I had enough stage experience that it's like I am not – like a lot of people I Is when they start comedy, they get discouraged. Like they have a horrible, embarrassing, humiliating night, and they cry in public, and then like they don't come back for a few weeks. Like the <laughs> difference is I cry in public, and then I'm back the next day. Yeah. So that's just how I've always been with my performance ethic. So comedy – was like it was a new challenge for me it was like a writing thing that was difficult it was a new way to write but still it's like i know how to apply all of my practice skills all of my structure skills i, I like i got i I didn't know until like a year ago that i wanted to do comedy at all and then like once i did i just realized like this is just a combination of every that i've learned my entire life and it just like makes
1: yeah.
3: Well, it, so it was kind that, of a,
1: a natural yeah. progression.
0: Having that theater background helps too, because I've told a lot of people that, uh, you know, I'm an actor and I have a lot of actor friends and stuff and people that friends that are actors that want to get into comedy, but have asked me, you know, how do you do it? Like what, what what's your advice? And my main advice is, is if you can act, then you can, and you can write, you can do comedy Uh, If you're funny, (laughs) you know, because it's very, very close to acting. You're just basically writing your own script and performing it. So if you can memorize lines and funny ways to say things, then you can get up in front of a crowd for five minutes and do comedy. It's not that hard. It's just that initial first getting up there and doing it, because if you don't get a laugh, that's the discouraging part. But you know, if you're lucky and you kind of get that first (laughs) chuckle, that's where that spark hits. And you're like, ah, I can do this. I got a laugh out of someone. Right.
2: I always tell people that it's like losing your virginity or like, it's like breaking your hymen. (laughs) Like, you know, you can fuck with it and worry about it and take a long time to break your hymen. Or you can just like, like take off your pants and sit on a fence yeah, and bust it open. (laughs) And that's the only way to do it. You just gotta fucking do it. Like, I can't tell anyone how to do comedy because it's like your jokes come to you from God so like I can't tell you <laughs> where the jokes are for you you know um, but you just gotta do it and then you do it again and then you do it again
1: yeah I so think pro- it sucks it does I mean it's definitely a grind like I I feel like the problem a lot of people have is that they do it again and they do it again but they do, they become complacent. It's like they're just going through the motions and doing the same shit. And like they don't, they like they grind physically by showing up, but they don't grind at home when yeah. you're alone in front of a computer or a notebook, writing your shit, thinking about the last time you did your set. Did this get a laugh? How big of a laugh did this get? Can I make it get a bigger laugh? I feel like a, a, most comics I know don't do that, man.
2: I think it comes down to the difference between den- being in Denver and being in Mobile is that like there's so much competition here. Like there are so many people that are really, really good. And there are so many people who completely outside of any logic, like just devote their fucking life to this shit. Like it's a cult <laughs> and they're just yeah. open micers. And, I mean, and that's how I am. It's like, it is a religious thing for me.
0: It's a. It doesn't
2: make any sense. I've burned down my whole life. To come do this but like i i I think some of it's leading by example too like if you do the things that you're talking about and you get better and then they have to compete with you but i think the complacency happens in these smaller scenes which are like really cool and interesting but the complacency happens when um when like the lifestyle isn't ingrained i guess
0: yeah yeah that's it's the, I think it happens when you that's actually the yeah. biggest thing I miss um with all this covid shit happening is going out of town, like me and Jacob yeah. go into different even though we've had some nightmare scenarios, I still yeah. would much rather go to a new town to where I know none of these people have heard my jokes, and that's another thing why yeah, you know that I don't like doing the same open mics all the time is because you know i i have different sets that i can do but i have maybe a 30 minute solid set at this point but they can only it's the same people every week and they can only hear your jokes so many times before they know what you're going to say so trying to get out of town and winning over a whole different audience like that's the fun to me that's that's what i live for i love going out of town and winning over Uh, entirely new audiences.
2: I've been doing that during the pandemic. Um, like my first book show was like, probably like a little over a month ago. Um, so like two months ago in Denver, like people started having started. Once we realized that COVID wasn't going away. Mm Mm-hmm. Um bars can't really open. Um, People started having these cool, like, backyard mics or warehouse mics or, like, uh, drive-in mics and shit all over Colorado. And um so I started going to a random-ass backyard mic where I didn't know fucking anybody. And I just, like, showed up and, like, was a good audience member and, like, had a sharp set. Like, I wasn't rusty because I didn't, like, let myself get rusty during the- I just didn't let my. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote one of my favorite new jokes on the bus ride. I take three bus transfers to get to this fucking place. Because I live in Aurora. <laughs> it's all the way on the other side of town. So, I had to. But I wrote, like, a joke on the bus. On that fucking bus. Because I've been writing jokes on the bus. Bus jokes. Bus jokes. <laughs> I actually wrote a lot of my uh, undergrad thesis in New Orleans. I wrote a lot of that on the bus, too. Bus is the place to get shit done. Also the place to get peed on. (laughs) (laughs) It's all connected. Um, So I started going to these yard mics, and from there I started meeting people because I had just like a tight 10-minute fucking perfect. And um, (laughs) so I went to Greeley. And the cool thing about Colorado is Colorado is a purple state. So it's like I could play for a feminist crowd, and then I could go to like Greeley or especially like Colorado Springs where I did a drive-in show which was like real broey redneck. I went to Walmart, nobody was wearing a mask. It was like time machine. But it was fucking great, man. It was like a rated R show. Somebody snuck in their 11-year-old and the 11-year-old was like tailgating and he <laughs> he got my jokes better than anybody. And it was just it was just fucking amazing. Um so there's all this shit like that and they try, they do things like so, some some places have microphone condoms. <laughs> some places wow. change out the microphone <laughs> and like sanitize it. Um, so there, there's just all this creative energy and I can go to a totally new crowd. Like every week I can somewhere find a group of people that doesn't fucking know my jokes. Yeah. Because it's like, I have been burning through material because I've been going so, so hard. And when I didn't have a job, it was kind of the only money that I was making. And it wasn't much, but it's just like, you know, every weekend I can count on, I, I hook up so I can have $20 and I can like, you know, this fucking, cause, um, I will not get my fucking paycheck, my first paycheck on my new job till fucking Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I saw up. you
1: say that on, uh, on Facebook.
2: Yeah, I, um. I, like, fainted and I, like, landed on a metal thing and got a concussion. Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. I don't
2: Like, I feel like I have, like, a 100% battery. But then, like, when I run out, I just go straight to zero. Like, <laughs> that's going that I 15-hour days. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm great. I feel chipper. Where's my cup? <laughs> and then, um,
0: that's how I um, am. I'll go nonstop for, like, two straight months of just not resting, doing everything I can. And then for like a 48-hour period, my body just completely shuts down on me.
2: Yeah, yeah, that happened to me last week. It was good shit. It needs to do that, though. You're re- huh. you're rebooting.
0: Yeah. That's true. So you talked about um, you had uh, been podcasting before you started doing uh, comedy. How long have you been podcasting for?
2: Um, Probably like three years. Well, probably a little longer than that. I, my first foray into podcasting was about 2015. Um, I did a few interviews. Also, I've done some more like academic kind of projects with podcasting. Um, so it's a medium I've been fucking around with for.
0: That's cool. I love podcasting. It's 90% of my life is doing podcasts and listening to them. That's pretty much all I do, is listen to podcasts yeah. and produce podcasts. <laughs> I think that's what helped me, too, with uh, the the public speaking aspect of um, comedy, because I come from a musical background, too. Like, I don't mind being up on stage, but I was always the drummer, like, hiding behind a drum set. I never, you know, had to get up in front of people by myself and just talk. And I think that, you know, I've been podcasting since 2012, and um, I've done, like, five, six shows at this point, and that's helped a lot. So if anybody that's another as avenue that people could take is to get used to talking is just start a podcast about whatever. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a medium that, you know, anybody can do it. Yeah. And
1: honestly, comedians are tailor made for podcasts to host them and to be on them. Yeah. Because I mean, before we did this, I guested on, you know, half of the podcasts in town. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I had a little bit of experience just going on and and trying to be funny and just being myself and talking. And it's like every famous comedian now, except for like fucking Jerry Seinfeld, has a podcast. Like fucking everyone (laughs) has a podcast, dude. And you kind of have to to stay relevant every day.
2: That's true. Especially like Twitter and shit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't want to be a girl on Twitter. Like, I'm not a girl on Twitter. I'm not a girl on Instagram. I'm a podcast. I'm a brand. Yeah. And so that way, like, when people interact with me, and it does get me interacted with less. Like, every once in a blue moon, I, like, put my tits up in there to get more interaction. <laughs> like, if I'm going to put out a podcast the next day, I'll do a titty yeah. pic the day before. And then, like, everyone's, like, watching from a titty pic. So, and yeah, then, me too. Uh, next week, I put out actual content.
0: Jacob, you need to start showing your boobs more on our Twitter so that we can we can stug. Uh, yeah, work. I really do. <laughs>
1: you know, what so people are gonna like miss this episode and then just see like a down shot of my dick and not understand why big hairy boobs. It's happening.
0: <laughs> I don't off. even have
1: hairy boobs, man. I got like little wisps of hair. Like the carpet does not match the drapes, <laughs> you know.
2: Oh, they're like mine.
0: He's smooth.
1: Like yeah, he's just a little bits of the hair, you know. <laughs> suck on a titty, just get that little hair in your mouth.
0: Oh. Oh, hey, dude. it's a real
1: problem, okay?
0: I have Bert like Reynolds you've never had che- a kitty hair in your mouth. I have Burt Reynolds' chest hair, so if I if I tried to do a titty do shot, you? it would just look like like Burt Reynolds.
2: I don't believe you. I don't believe you have chest hair.
0: I'm sorry, I don't either. I'm to get- look You're look gonna have, you have me, to prove please. it. Look at it. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow, wow. dude, dude yeah, out, of, out of all the times we've gone on the road together, like I've never seen you shirtless, like we've never had to stay in a hotel together.
0: I don't get shirtless, I stay clothed, I'm a never nude. Really? <laughs> Not really, no. Uh, I was about to say, like,
1: when me and uh when me and Chris stayed in the hotel in Aniston, like, we both just got down on our skibbies, man, yeah. we just had to agree to bro it up, you know? Oh, dude. That's hot.
0: <laughs> When I'm at the house yeah, right? it's, it's too damn hot for clothes half the time. Just lay around the underwear. It really let the, is. Let the fan blow up one one boxer leg and out the <laughs> other. It's great. <laughs> you you gotta oh keep God. the boys so I, cool.
2: I couldn't afford a fan. Like I have no like fan or anything oh. in my room. And um then I went on like a really terrible bumble date and mm. we had like really bad like two minute sex. During which he said, "I haven't fucked like that in a minute," and and then he thought my room was too hot, so he bought me a fan on Amazon, and I never talked to him again.
1: So, so what you're telling me is that you fucked for a fan?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, oh, okay, okay. He's gonna be watching this right now. He's like, I
2: mean, I I definitely be him, dude. I got to go to a Mexican restaurant and, like, wear a mask half the time and be, like, seated very far away. I got to go on one of those post-apocalyptic Bumble dates.
1: Oof. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. I don't have to try to date during this, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, this. it'd really be a nightmare, honestly. That was,
0: that was one uh, dating service I never did when I was single was Bumble. Because it always scared me. No. Was, like... <laughs> you know like, i did
1: bumble dude it was horrible it's horrible from a man's perspective because yeah. it's like you see these these women and even when they even when you swipe right the women has to message you or you disappear yeah. and no one ever yeah. fucking messaged me so i would i would get swiped right on from these like really hot women and i'm like oh man it's happening and then the 24 hours would expire and i'm like why did you swipe right
2: you idiot <laughs> like just completely destroyed she didn't, my get my get
3: confidence.
2: She, didn't she was bored. And society systemically beats her down. And sometimes <laughs> it's like, you don't want it because it might be bad. Or like, he might murder you, you know? Right. Um, so you just like, I just want the experience of knowing that I still got it. That right. people would want to meet, hypothetically. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are doing during the pandemic. They're like window shopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so- I, have, I have never online dated until the pandemic. Um, because like, I don't have a smartphone. I own a flip phone. I'm a Luddite. I'm really weird. I normally pick up people like on Twitter. Or uh, like, I can't say
0: much. I you know, I picked up my girlfriend on Instagram. So <laughs> that was, that was the best dating app ever.
2: Yeah. Twitter is great. I like pick up people as my podcast, which is cool. Like I dated um, I dated Ryan Adams of Twitter Sitters podcast for a while. Shout out to them. Um, I actually met him as my podcast on Twitter. He had no idea like what I looked like or anything. Like we just solely based on our podcast, uh, developed a flirtation, and that's cool.
1: Yeah, Ryan's my boy, man. I, oh, yeah. I love Ryan. Uh, my introduction to you was as Ryan's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> because we were at the mic together, and <laughs> I was I was hanging out with Ryan. And he was like, oh, man, my ex-girlfriend's here. And I saw it was you, and you're like... I'm the kind of person where like I, I don't like to pick sides in anything. Yeah. So like, I saw you do that, yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, well, she's fucking cool. Like, too, I mean... <laughs> Is yeah. you, I
0: appreciate that. I take it since yeah. you guys are yeah, together. Is it I'm hard? you
2: or comedy Is it what?
0: : Is it hard for two comedians to be in a relationship together because nothing would ever be serious ever?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I actually I, I wrote a joke recently. Uh, I've got a bunch of jokes about dating comedians, and one of my one of my little like kind of taglines that I just wrote the other day was that, okay, so a comedian will try to reuse a condom, and that will be the only time all night he's not joking. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, look at him, like, oh, that's a hilarious gag. Uh, you're trying to put that back on, and then you're like, oh, you are seriously.
0: Because <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> is like, I'm, says we both have to in
2: account.
0: I'm never serious about anything. I just, I, I'm broken as a human being. I, I can't be serious about anything, and I have gone too far. Like with my girlfriend before, where I've upset her because I just go too far with joking. And I'm like, I should dial yeah. this back a bit. You know, like I'm, I can yeah. be really mean you sometimes realize, like, and not mean it.
2: That feeling yeah. Hurting them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like, me like
2: every good. day. <laughs> Other don't do that. Just comedians. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know? I kind of, I halfway wonder. If I'm gonna get in so much trouble, I wonder if I'd be happy if I was dating a comedian, like happier, because like that, I mean, was my dream for so long. It's right. like I just want to date another comic.
0: But would it be a competition though? Because like, would you get jealous if like she just I would 100 like rocked a room and then you go up after her and just completely shit bomb the place and like, yeah, would you get I- jealous.
1: I mean, me and my girlfriend are so competitive now, like we can't play board games together. We can't <laughs> because it'll start a fight. and I feel like if she was a comedian and she ever did better than me, I would be so jealous. I just i you're right. I don't know if I could do it.
0: What about you, Genevieve? Would you get jealous if you had a comedian boyfriend that was you know way funnier or you know rock like I said, rocked a room mm-hmm. and then you bombed? like would you be jealous of something like that?
2: Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, no, no, no. Well, okay. I have a lot of experience as like an art girlfriend,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is mm-hmm. like, okay. like I used to date musicians and I would be like, they're roadie, you know, like, yeah. carrying up their shit. <laughs> um, I actually, I had like my longest relationship in Mobile, the guy that like I almost married that like I t- fucking blew up this engagement basically to get to this transformation point in my life right now. But anyway, uh, he had a really great band called Sock Cop Stallions in Mobile. If you ever get the chance to see them, they're fucking great. But um, he was kind of a jealous guy in general, but like, when he would do his shows, it's like I would be his roadie and like look after him and like carry his drums up the stairs and shit. And, and then like during his show, I would get to dance with every boy that I wanted to dance with. Because I I was like the hype man. I would get people dancing. So it's like he was able to put aside his jealousy for that situation because it's like he wants people dancing at his show. Because most of the time, especially in Mobile, and especially in Mobile like five years ago, um, I think the newer generation is more dance friendly. But like there have been times where it's like you can't get a crowd dancing. And so that's what I would do for him. And so I look for guys that will kind of do that for me. And I've experienced it. I don't know. I've dated a lot of comedians. Um, Like, I will say, like, with me and Ryan, I don't think that we would have worked as a comedian couple. And that's just our two personalities. Like, I'm not even talking shit. Mm -hmm. Um, I also dated Alfred Ward for a while, though. We had, like, nasty falling out. However, one thing about me and him, we always respect each other in an art forum. We met each other through um through performance poetry. And so it's like we're used to respecting each other in that forum. We've done writing workshops together. It's like even though it's like me and Alfred have more reason to be competitive with each other than me and Ryan do. But me and Alfred just have, like, this established – I guess, barrier to where it's like, even when we fucking hated each other in mobile, in our personal lives, we're still like rooting for each other when we're on the stage. They're doing, you know, the other person's doing good. Um, So I think it just depends on the vibe. I think it is difficult. I think a great example of this is recently um, Megan Thee Stallion. She got like shot in the feet by her like boyfriend, who's also an artist, uh, while she was walking away and it was a big thing and you know everyone's making memes about it um because like hip-hop twitter is just fucking mean wow uh so like that was going on but like here's the thing like they had been like day drinking all day megan Thee stallion has a very sexual persona they're in a situation where business is mixed with socializing so all day they're day drinking She's kind of like the hotter, badder bitch in the relationship. She's like the big star. She has to kind of like flirt and schmooze with everybody. By the end of the night, he's jealous and pissed off. They're fighting. It doesn't even matter what they're fighting about. It's just they're two artists who've been mixing networking and drinking by the pool (laughs) and socializing in business all day with each other in their little relationship. And it ends with him shooting her in the fucking feet.
0: Jesus.
2: And I think that like it just, uh, even though I you know, will never know all the details of that situation, I mean, it that is that is a good example of, like, what can happen. People get, like, raged at each other. Um, So, yeah, I don't know how to overcome that. It's something I think about because here's the thing, like, I don't have time for a social life. So I can only fuck comedians, basically. <laughs> and I'm not trying to, like, fuck all of Denver because I just got here. Well that's sort oh, of the, the, but it's like it's inevitable.
0: Well that's the sort of the life <laughs> of a, a person in entertainment too, uh, you know, me coming from a musical background. Like my social life was you know the the yeah. music and going, going, to yeah, going to shows and stuff like that and um I still don't think I have much of a much of a social life cuz even now like the only times I go out and uh, even before the pandemic, the only time I go out is to go to open mics or things of that nature, so yep. that really kind of is my social life. I don't even know what what social life is, honestly, like what is social life? I
2: really resent it if um I have to like wash my hair and like shave my legs and put on a dress for something other than being on stage.
1: Mm. Right.
2: So I talked about having a social life. Like yeah. I, I I'm only gonna put it together if I'm getting stage time.
1: Right. That I'm also only gonna put on a dress if I'm getting stage time. <laughs> but,
2: you should. Uh, you should have respect for yourself. Show those titties.
1: Yeah, I, we we loosely debated me and my girlfriend. We decided I'm gonna be my my daughter's first birthday party is gonna be carnival themed. And we decided that I'm going to dress up as a clown, yeah. but I was narrowly almost the bearded lady. Narrowly. <laughs> so I oh, I can see. It. Not to traumatize her. That can... would be
2: cool, actually. You know, you look really pretty in eye makeup.
1: Thank you. I get that a lot.
2: <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, you would. You would. And you kind of have like a natural blush. You have great coloring.
1: Thank you. I, I look like a children's coloring book.
0: <laughs> you're You're pretty white, man. You, you need to get out and get some sun.
1: No, I'm pretty comma white. Thank you.
2: <laughs> pretty and white. That's right. He's a pretty white. But, uh,
1: but we, should, uh, we should get into our top five list yes. for tonight, fellas. Fella and lady. Our top five <laughs> is top five evil corporations I've worked for. Uh it might not be a corporation, just could be like a shitty job you have. Uh Genevieve, we'll start with you. What's uh what's your number five?
2: My number five? Oh god, I forgot even the order. Okay, I'm just gonna say uh I was an independent contract entertainer at Barely Legal in New Orleans mm.
3: from like two
2: thousand to two thousand fifteen. that's fucked up because like the pay structure is fucked up because independent contract work is fucked up not fucked up for the reasons you'd think i yeah i like the job um really but there there are some sketchy things about independent contract yeah like they just fuck you over like it's exploitative um oh i did get fired for getting fat what oh no yeah that's a conversation wow. that stays with you forever. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, <laughs> also because it's barely legal, you know. Um, I had this weird complex through like all my mid twenties where I thought that I had expired. Like I thought yeah. that.
0: Well, it's kind that of a, was over, it, like
2: I was over. It
0: kind—it's of, kind of implicit in huh? the name as well. I mean, it's—it's it's a place called Barely Legal, yeah. so that implies, you know, like. 18 well
1: hold on <laughs> if you know anything about the porn industry all of the barely legal porn stars are 32 so yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh yeah dude I- i've been 21 since i was 16 <laughs> oh no <laughs> um.
1: yeah i mean i would imagine that would be the worst job ever just because you have nasty dudes that look like me and jason gawking at you <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't know. I actually, I kind of specialized in dealing with, like, the, uh, well, y'all aren't even that ugly compared to what I dealt with. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Not that ugly.
2: Yeah. Very <laughs> uh, but I specialized in dealing with, like, the disabled, overweight, and hideously deformed. Mm. I have very okay. long legs. I'm very comfortable. So, um, really, really obese guys. They appreciate it if, like, you can, like, look them in the eyes. And like find what I would always do. I find something beautiful about every person so that I could look them in the eyes and compliment them without it being bullshit because they're used to bullshit. But if I could tell them something honestly beautiful about them and make it true, because it's true, then I have a connection. And then if I I can like do this thing with my legs where I could find the penis and the penis was buried in the and you have to use fucking... Tantric aerobic <laughs> yoga to find it, and then if you can just find their penis, like you don't even have to grind on it that effectively. You are just like, wow, this is a great experience.
3: Yeah. And so
2: I mainly
1: do that. Man, I wish God's someone way. could find my penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it's under the <laughs> you,
1: um. Do you want to go, Jason, or do you want me yeah, to go with my yeah, number five? I'll go ahead and
0: go. Uh, my number five is the job I had right before the one I have now. Um, I am a, a graphic designer by trade, so I um, I got a job with a t-shirt, a local t-shirt company and uh, was told that I was going... They already had a graphic designer, but she was supposed to be going off to college, and I was going to be taking over her position, which was going to be awesome because I'd be able to work from home. But um, when I got hired on and started working, they made me start um, doing the actual screen printing um, of the t-shirts until she left. Uh, You know, until she left. And two months later, she was still working there. And I basically had the worst bosses I've ever had in my life. They were, um, they hated what they did. They needed to just not do that work anymore. They hated the people that worked there. They made my life miserable every single day. I went to work. I would wake, I would go to sleep crying at night because I didn't want to go to work. I would wake up crying in the morning. I, I, I just wanted to die. Like I got suicidal because I hated my job so much. I lasted two months at that place and it was by far the worst place i've ever worked at in my life i'm not gonna say the name of it but it was uh it was hell on earth for two solid months
1: that sounds horrible man
0: it was terrible what about you what's Uh, your, what's your number five
1: yeah my number five um it's a little weird because i can't say the name of it because I I signed a contract that said if I say anything even slightly negative about this company that they will sue me for slander. And it's that kind of rule, like those kind of rules that like this whole company it, it's uh, it's online writing, right? Like I've been writing online since I was 14 years old and I've since by the time of 17, I worked my way up to where I was getting paid for it. And so I've been trying to get on this company for years, the entire time I've been writing. It's like the biggest entertainment writing company in the world. If you're an entertainment writer, you want to write for them. I'll tell you guys who it is after we, after we wrap. Okay. But um, <laughs> it's just, the, I read the agreement before I signed the contract. And that's, I imagine something a lot of people don't do, but it was literally Nazi Germany type rules like hmm. stuff like you can't write anywhere else while you're writing for us because we're afraid you're going to leak trade secrets like if if a uh, website that you write for after us does anything similar to what we do we'll sue them because you stole our trade secrets wow and
2: that's I'm like, standard like normally it's like you can't publish something super similar somewhere else yeah but, like
1: i can understand if it's the same stories Uh, But, I mean, like, entirely different stuff. Like, while I'm writing for them, I couldn't write for anyone else. And you know what? I'll sign that contract any day of the week if that's paying my bills. But I made $3 a month. Because the pay scale was you get $1 per 1,000 people that read your shit. So every month, 3,000 people read my shit. And I got $3 for those 3,000 people that read my shit.
0: That's awful.
1: So yeah and and it's like just the editors were horrible like they were everyone was so hard to work with everyone was stealing ideas out from under you uh just a really shitty place to work and they can get away with it because they're essentially the amazon of online writing wow but uh well what's uh what's your number four genevieve
2: i guess since you mentioned amazon i'll just go ahead right and say amazon i worked at amazon warehouse <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of my many jobs where they've tried to like control when and i can and can't which is like a lot of my jobs for various different reasons wow um which i i have a theory that that's how you become a billionaire is you set up a structure where at the lowest level your employees aren't allowed to go to the bathroom
0: jesus christ and that's
2: the only way to create a productive enough supply chain that you can succeed. Um Amazon was bullshit though because like they um they set up all they set up every warehouse, they set up the way your schedule functions and the way everything functions to maximize on how much they can rip you off within like the local state laws and shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like they would have me working like three or four hour shifts just so they didn't have to give me any breaks. Wow. And then I would have to go home after that. and that's like all I that's like it. Like I just drove to Theodore to fucking work for four hours. Um But I I didn't experience a lot of financial opportunity in Mobile. So I was willing to accept that belief.
1: Yeah, that's insane. Especially considering I, I work at Pizza Hut right now. I take a shit every day. <laughs> Even if I don't have to shit, I hold it for work.
0: save
2: on because
3: uh, that's my period
1: oh yeah
2: (laughs) um while i was doing doing cable guy work i got my period and it's like a man job a man job you can't go to you can't like stop a job to go to a bathroom like you work out of a truck there's um (laughs) Yeah. it was so bad yeah Yeah, i wish i could take a shit
1: (laughs) yeah I mean, that's, like, my only break because I work part-time, so they're not required to give us breaks or lunch. So I'll, like, just go take a shit, and then, like, when I get done, like, just make myself some wings and shamelessly steal from the company. Because what are they (laughs) going to do, fire me? I I don't need the job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, They need you. They do need me actually, I'm about to be promoted to manager after working there for two months.
0: Jesus, I'm not eating there right,
1: nice. <laughs> yeah, don't dude, don't, especially uh, if I'm making your pizza well uh, what's 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 your number four Jason? uh
0: my number four is uh I used to work I don't even know if I should say it, but i I'll just go ahead and say it. I used to work for the the hard rock cafe um yeah, and it was one of those jobs where they would work you to death for very little money. And um, I would work sometimes, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour shifts and get a five minute break. And it's wow. like when and, and to go get a smoke break, you would have to go all the way across the casino to go outside through the employee area. And it would take you 10 minutes to walk that far. So as soon as you get out there, you get like two puffs on a cigarette and then have to run all the way back to go back to work. And I would get like one break a day and like a 12-hour shift. They wouldn't let you have anything to eat. You had to pay full price for your meals. Um, And it just, it was awful. I think I worked there for like four months. My first day there um. Uh, I was coming in for the night shift and this was my like my first or second day. And um, the guy I was working on the grill with told me to go to the back and the the walk in cooler and grab uh, a slat of steaks and they would get their steaks in like these big boxes and you just bring the box up and load up, you know, the drawer underneath with all the frozen steaks and just take them out as you need them. So I go into the cooler, and the day shift manager is in the cooler. Somebody had been in there before me and dropped some shredded cheese all over the floor. Dude started screaming at me that I had done it and and needed to clean it up and all this shit. I'm like, dude, this is like my first fucking day, and you're screaming at me. And I went and told the manager, and they didn't do anything about it. And yeah, I lasted like four months at that job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hear a lot of bad things about the Hard Rock, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it was terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, actually, one of my ex boyfriends—he was a street juggler in New Orleans when I was a stripper. Um, he worked at Hard Rock Cafe, and he wrote—he wrote some articles that got published somewhere about like the—they have this thing called thirty-second likability when they're hiring people, and it just—it sounded really culty and weird.
3: Wow. This was like
2: hard rock New Orleans too, so probably just like super fucking tourist.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But it seems like they have a weird culture.
0: Yeah, it was. it's de- yeah de- definitely, they definitely had do. a weird vibe working there. Like there was definitely like, you know, the click of people that had worked there together, and as an outsider coming in, I was definitely not welcome, and they didn't. They had no bones about making me feel unwelcome there to work and I remember what yeah. my, my first night too they tried to send me to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse to get a left handed frying pan I'm like how fucking stupid do you think I am like I'm not stupid no I'm not gonna do that <laughs> but what wow. about you Jacob what uh, what are we number four
1: yeah so um spoiler alert my numbers one through four are all McDonald's <laughs> um <laughs> I've only ever worked. I've I've only ever written online. Worked at McDonald's and now I work at Pizza Hut. And I'm currently employed there, so I'm not going to shit on them yet. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, my number
2: four.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I at least need to get some paychecks first. But um, I have four different reasons though, and I think they're all valid reasons. My number four reason: uh, McDonald's is fucking evil and horrible. Is that I, I wasn't ever trained to do a- anything working there. I worked there for about a month, maybe two months. Uh, I, was, I watched one training video to learn how to do french fries. And I could do french fries better than any motherfucker in that whole store. I know french fries. I know about fryers now, like at work at Pizza Hut like we have a wing street fryer. Yeah. I run that shit, bro. <laughs> like I'll fix it, I'll fucking yeah. I'll clean it out. Like I know everything about the fucking fryers. And uh one day one of the managers just came up to me and was like, "Hey, go take orders." I was like, "Oh shit. I guess I take orders now." <laughs> and then I guess I, I guess I did. do drive-through. Like, yeah, it's like they don't train you to do anything. And then they have me taking orders and they have a trainee watching me to learn what to do while i'm taking orders Jesus. and i'm like i'm as i'm as new as this guy i can't teach him anything he <laughs> needs to help me find out where shit is on here
0: no wonder it takes like 10 minutes to get your freaking food in the drive through dude
1: Jeez. i am telling you uh everyone watching please do not get upset at mcdonald's workers because you don't understand how much they're not trained. <laughs> they are never trained properly.
0: It is not their fault. dude. That's, a, that's They're only 16. Dude, that's, that's apparent. <laughs> Every time I walk into any fast yeah. food place, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Ever.
1: No, we're all just pretending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, machine- that fucking machine is super hard to figure out the McCafe machine
2: i bet it's hard to clean
1: i wouldn't know we don't clean anything uh, <laughs> if we didn't clean anything at our mcdonald's Ooh. but uh what what's your number three genevieve
2: um oh god there's so many um oh real quick here's one i don't think i thought of before but my very first job i was 15 I got a job at Three Georges Candy Store on Dolphin Street, and uh, they fired me because I had no personality.
3: Oh
0: wow! What
2: "What?" (laughs) bad personality? (laughs) I have no personality. Wow! This this woman told me wherever she is, fuck you. Um, This woman told me, uh, and I was just like 15 and trying to figure out how to make you know how to work their milkshake equipment or whatever, and just like you know having conversations and being myself. And she told me that she could get a homeless person off the street to be personable. And that I had no personality. Oh, my God. Like, none. God. No personality.
1: Imagine like, telling that <laughs> to a future comedian.
2: Yeah. Like, a 15-year-old pu- pubescent future comedian. Yeah. Wow. I, I, like, I just, man, and the, the girls they hired after me, I guess they have personality. Because, I don't know. Maybe it just, well, that, that's why I like being a stripper, though. Because, um my personality like works there because I just I have a drier personality like than some people I guess like I don't I don't have like 30 second likability or whatever like I just my face (laughs) doesn't do that thing. I have to make it do that thing to practice smiling in the mirror um I smile all the time I don't know I'm a happy person it's just I'm not I'm not bubbly and, um, and fuck Mobile. Also, fuck Mobile. I wasn't going to get on here. I was just telling myself when I was driving my work truck home, I'm like, I'm not going to be like, fuck Mobile. I'm going to be grateful for Mobile. But then I drank this cup of moonshine and um, <laughs> fuck Mobile. Because um, in Mobile, people get an idea in their head about who, who the fuck you are. And it is so fucking impossible to shake. And all I had to do to shake all that negativity was fucking leave. And randomly, strangers that I don't know believe in me. And now I can do shit. Yeah. But in Mobile, I show up to work at a candy shop. The easiest fucking job. And I'm told I have no personality. The <laughs> so fuck Mobile. Wow.
1: <laughs> was uh was that your number three? Or was that just a, a quick side note you wanted to throw out there?
2: I mean, I guess three Georges. I mean, Sears Call Center. Yeah. It's fucked up. Because um, Sears is a dying business. That's fucked up. That's another one where you can't pee whenever you want, because mm. it'll fuck up your call rate. Um interesting thing about Sears, Sears got acquired by uh the a trust like a a fund guy, a hedge man, hedge hedge fund manager
3: mm.
2: um named Eddie Lampert, who had just acquired Kmart. And the day that he acquired Kmart, he actually got kidnapped by, like, this ragtag group of, like, 19- to 22-year-old Hispanic guys. And, uh, they took him to a hotel, and they were, like, holding him for ransom, and they, like, had him, like, chained to, uh, like, the toilet, and they were, like, threatening his life and shit, and he, like, bought them pizza and talked them out of it, and got out of the kidnap, and then he bought series. And he just never talked about that again, and, like, no one knows why he got kidnapped. That's (laughs) that's <laughs> um so sears is weird and it was a dying it was a dying call center in wow. mobile alabama so that sucked wow that's a... to walk the bar. it patches like during my lunch break oh this was the lowest point of my life uh, <laughs> so i was engaged to marry a shipyard worker and i was working at sears and i hated myself and I had an eight p m curfew in my relationship, so I couldn't even get into comedy or anything like that. I couldn't do anything, so just hating oh. myself, so I got really into drinking secretly. <laughs> so I would um walk across the parking lot to patches, shout out patches Westmobile, and I would um drink as much as I could within my lunch break and make it back and then sell engine parts. <laughs>
1: Wow, that
3: awesome. that's and a no lot one, of.
2: Like...
1: That's like a lot of information to take in all at once. Yeah, about the seer guy <laughs> and going getting drunk on my lunch break. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people in call centers do that though, because I mean, I mean, call centers are a really rough place.
0: Yeah, man. I don't know how Wally does it, man. Yeah, Wally's been working there for a yep. long time. I don't want to say yeah. where he works, but he works. Yeah,
1: Wally does it because he's a boss man, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's been through the trenches.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah. what's uh, what are we on now? You're your number three, Jason?
0: Yeah, but my I, I'm going to combine this one into three through one because... Uh, okay. Uh, being a musician and being signed to Universal and Imprint Records... Um, which was a label that was uh, uh imprint was a uh small label made by um Todd Harrell of Three Doors Down. They got us signed to Universal. We got dropped from Universal, and then we were signed to Imprint Records, which was Todd Harrell's label. And basically, we made them a shit ton of money and were slave labor because for the entire. Year and a half, two years, we were on that label and touring and selling records and making them money. I made a grand total of zero dollars. Wow. Yep. That's. Yeah, you you've talked about that
1: before to me. Uh, Is it Todd Harold the piece of shit that's in jail now for the yeah. DUI?
0: Well, that and he killed someone too. Like uh, yeah, because of a DUI, he ran into a guy and the guy died. So, yeah, he's in prison for, I think, manslaughter at this point.
1: Yeah, well, fuck that guy, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it worked out yeah. in favor there.
0: We did a lot of yeah. work for that label. We did everything they asked us to do. We toured wherever they told us to go, did everything they asked to do, and made them a shit ton of money, and they blew it. And we never made a dime. And then when we were dropped, they said we owed them $300,000. Because we were going to get signed to a label. And I'm like, I had my accountant look through everything. And he's like, dude, if anything, they owe you $300,000. Like, screw that shit. So, yeah, the music industry is awful. Well, as most entertainment industries uh, are pretty, pretty bad.
1: Yeah, man, I can't wait until I make it big enough to get ripped off. Yeah.
0: Oh, and there's no shortage (laughs) of people ready to rip you off for every dime you have.
1: Yeah, that's how it is in comedy, too, man. Like, for every, you know, one good person you meet, there's, like, two skeezy bar owners that'll stab you in the fucking back.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But, uh, so my number three reason I hate McDonald's is uh, the fact that all of the managers that worked there, and by the way, on a shift, there was a manager to match every crew person. So there were like maybe six crew people and six managers. I swear to God, on every fucking shift. So if they wanted to, they could just hover over you and micromanage everything you did. But I hated it because they didn't work a day in their Fucking lives, like we did everything for the managers. I did all of their work. When it was time for me to clock out, one of the managers would come to me and be like, "Oh, hey, go do this real quick." While well, they go and sit on their fucking ass and eat free food yeah. and play on their phone. And they're like, "Oh," and then another manager, like, I never got to clock out because one of the six managers would come up to me every time I reached for the clock. go and be like oh hey no go mop the floor go fill the fridge go fill the ice i'm like hey why can't you fucking do it you make more than me
0: i want to be a mcdonald's manager now (laughs) dude mcdonald's managers
1: they're literally the worst people because they're either some 18 year old who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing or there's some 45-year-old who used to be an 18-year-old that just had the same job forever and they're a fucking piece of shit and made everything
3: <laughs> for themselves.
1: <laughs> if you're a McDonald's manager, <laughs>
0: fuck you. <laughs> well, there goes our, our McDonald's
2: uh... <laughs> fan base. <Yeah.
0: laughs> so what about you, Genevieve? What, oh,
2: McDonald's players going to come after us.
0: <laughs> uh, what's your number <laughs> what two? My, what are my best... Yeah.
1: Yeah, what's your number two, Jen? My
2: number
3: two? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, oh, Waffle House. Fuck Waffle House. <laughs> yeah! Waffle House. Yeah! Oh, fuck yeah! Fuck Waffle fucking House. Fucking Specifically, oh my god, Waffle House. Okay, so you know, like, when you order to go from Waffle House, um, there's, like, 10% gratuity already added, so it's like, I don't even have to tip, which is great, because it's like, it's not like she's my waitress anyway, except, okay, McDonald's, I mean, Donald McDonald's, uh, Waffle House, we have to, put together, you have to put together your order. We have to wash our own dishes. You know, at a normal place, a person's going to at least get paid minimum wage to wash dishes. At Waffle House, you got to wash your own dishes. You're not getting paid for that, oh, you know? God. And then the 10% gratuity on the to-go, A, it takes forever to put together a to-go order. It's really fucking annoying. Like, tip on to-go orders because it distracts us from real money. It's really fucking annoying. And that 10% gratuity, our boss tries to steal that from us every single week. Like, if you don't keep up with how much you're owed, you're not going to get it. Like, I would have to fight for my paycheck every fucking week. That place owes me so much fucking money. There was one time I worked a 20-hour shift. And they set it up so that it was two different days in different pay periods. So I didn't even get overtime that week. And I worked 20 hours in one stretch. The best part of my day was when I walked out to take out the trash because I got to go outside. Hmm.
3: I've definitely... And I was
2: like, why am I working a 20-hour shift? Everyone was like, everyone has to do this. And that's like how the culture was. Like, oh, oh, everyone has to do this. Like, don't be a bitch ass. Except I didn't make any fucking money on that 20-hour shift. Yeah. I, I walked out like with $40 in tips. Because it was, like, slow days, and they always they always set me up so I start on, like, the worst possible shift. Because when I first started working there, one day I drank a whole lot of coffee and put $5 in the jukebox. I cleaned the shit out of that place. My boss decided that I was a cleaning rock star, which meant he was going to put me on the cleaning shift, which is the no-money shift. Mm. I had a college degree. I was in Mobile. No one would hire me. None of the yeah. bars would hire me because everyone just fucking hates me in Mobile. Like, I don't know. Like... Every, for some reason, everyone fucking thinks that I'm an idiot in Mobile. So the best that I could fucking do is this bullshit. And for many fucking years, I believed I was an idiot. Because everyone treated me like a fucking idiot. And I'm incompetent and I'm just a loser. And I fucking believed it. And all I had to do was like leave Mobile for five seconds, realize I'm not an idiot, get this cable guy job. Cable guy jobs will never fucking hire me in Mobile, ever. Because they think I'm physically and just... Emotionally and intellectually incapable. Like that's how I was treated on a daily fucking basis in Mobile, and I don't want to totally shit on Mobile because there are some great people. There's great Mobiles, an eclectic place that you know made me what I am, and I got a lot of support there too. But just the just daily assault on my personhood. I feel from mobile. Like I'm still fucking bitter about it because I go somewhere else and I see how easy it is to not get treated. Like you're an idiot and fucking waffle house on government street, treating me like I'm a fucking idiot. They (laughs) owe me money. I'm never going to see it. They made me sign some contract too. probably, I'm not allowed to talk shit, but you know what? Fuck them. They have an exploitative system. They don't adjust your paycheck. When you make less than minimum wage, they don't adjust your paycheck. You have to fight the boss for that money. Wow. You have to fight him for minimum wage if you don't make more than that with tips. And it's just... And fuck that fucking boss. I wish I remembered his name. Yeah. It was one of those names that starts with T-Y, like Ty... Ty I don't think it was Tyrone. Ty something. But fuck you. <laughs> fuck you.
0: I still you like, know who you are, Tyrone, possibly. Uh, I, I still like to eat at Waffle House, though.
1: <laughs> but you know... It, it, Jason Waterfalls works at Waffle House, and that's all you need to know about that place. They they will employ the the scum of the earth. No offense, Genevieve, but you're, you're not there
0: anymore.
2: <laughs> Maybe I was the scum that year. I was the scum. That was the year I got like yeah. fired for being a stripper for being fat. So I was.
0: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> was
1: you you father. went from stripper to Waffle House waitress. That's like the <laughs> farthest. <laughs> Great,
3: it's the roughest call.
2: because, like, when you're, when, you're, when you're at a strip club and someone fucks with you, you could punch them in the face, and it's yeah. okay, it's acceptable, but you can't do that. Waitressing, I can't be a fucking waitress because I just, yeah, oh, yeah, that's I frowned upon at myself. most
0: restaurants to uh punch your customer in the them, face, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, my number two because you you said that your one through three was being a musician, right, Jason? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Okay, so my number two reason that I hate McDonald's is because one of my managers actually got me physically burned. And it was entirely his fault. Hmm. And so what happened is I work surrounded by 16-year-old girls. I mean, surrounded by 16-year-old girls that have no fucking clue what they're doing. And one of the 16-year-old girls dropped a packet of maple syrup in one of my fryers. I don't know why the fuck they were by my fryer, but they were, and they dropped it in there. And instead of, you know, the manager that did this, uh, all has been forgiven since then, because I went in one time after I quit, and I brought it up to him, and he gave me a free Oreo McFlurry. <laughs> so all's forgiven. Uh,
3: water into the <laughs> uh, But
1: uh, this guy... Uh, I went to college with him. So he's only a year older than me. And he's a manager at McDonald's. And this genius, instead of draining the fryer, just puts a fucking metal cover over this hot fryer. Mm. And I don't know that he's doing this. Like, I'm working my ass off. I'm working three different stations. And I need another fryer. And so I try to pick up this metal cover. And the handle isn't hot. But the handle's broken because everything at McDonald's is broken. (laughs) And in in almost slow motion, it just turns the entire thing and burns the fuck out of my arm Mm. right here. And I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital because it looked like a fucking third degree burn. And that was one of the worst days of my life, to be honest.
0: You should get free McFlurries for life after that.
1: I should. I tried bringing bringing it up to him again. But he was like, nah, man, that's all I can do. So I was like, all right, well. <laughs> you know
2: he can do but He just doesn't want to clean the McFlurry machine.
1: Yeah, basically. He he basically doesn't want to spend $275 to buy me a McFlurry because he burned the fuck out of my arm and I didn't even say anything to anybody.
2: You should have said something. If you said something, you would have recourse.
1: Well, if I said something to the general manager. You'll understand why I didn't say anything to the general manager once we get to my number one. <laughs> but I want to know your number one, Genevieve.
2: My number one. Um, oh, God. I feel like I've already done my number one, so these aren't really in order. Um, but another person that I worked for who didn't let me go to the bathroom was Michael Bloomberg. Um, I did Michael canvassing Bloomberg. work for him. <laughs> You know what, fuck him, but at the same time, it's like, you wouldn't believe how many Bernie supporters made enough money working for Michael Bloomberg that they were able to take care of themselves through the pandemic. And so, really? you know what? Like, he's my number one on this list, but also, it's like, he's kind of responsible for my livelihood right now, because, like, I when I first moved here, that was the first job that I got. And um, I was working like 10 hours a day, going door to door, preaching the good word of Michael Bloomberg, handing out those fucking fires everyone threw away. And uh, at one point, like at the height of it, because they kept giving us raises for like going harder and like going to the bathroom less. Like, how long can you hold your pee for Michael Bloomberg? And I was like, like, as long as it takes, like I'll pee myself a little bit. Like, everybody else is. So, um, at the height of that, I was making $30 an hour that last week that I was doing it. Wow. Wow. Michael Bloom drops out of the room. That job ends, and then immediately the pandemic happens. So, all the money that I made, like, I got, I think I only really worked, like, three weeks before I was unemployed up until two weeks ago. I was unemployed, aside from comedy. I was making no money Mm. at all. Which is, like, if anyone, like, gives me shit about performing during COVID, it's, like, I'm sorry, if you have no money, and someone's, like, I will give you $20 to tell 10 minutes of jokes, like, you're gonna fucking do it. For sure. Like, cause, you know, I just, I can't be sucking dick for money, <laughs> cause COVID. Yeah. So, comedy, obviously. But Michael Bloomberg kind of saved my life, so, you know what? I don't, I spent this whole thing talking shit, and I said I wasn't gonna talk shit, but good on you michael bloomberg thank you yes like i would be dead
1: leave it to michael bloomberg to put a price on how long you can hold your pee yeah
2: <laughs> that is
1: a smart businessman right there yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why he hates yeah. large sodas
0: <laughs> never thought about
2: that that makes sense oh that my god a
1: lot of sense yeah but uh My number one reason that I hate McDonald's is because the general manager of my store uh, physically shoved me. And that's when I quit. Why did he shove you? You know what? To this day, I've been asking myself this question. So I was doing the french fries. And the thing about this general manager is he has nothing to do. Like he could just go home and everything would be fine. So he has to find something to correct every single day. And it just so happened he filled up... like I mean, he uh, he corrected how I fill up small fry bags. So I filled up a fry bag full. And then he comes over, he t- takes it out of my hand, and he dumps it out. he's like, nah, this is how you do it. And he fills it so full that it's like pouring over his hand. And I'm like, okay, well you're just being fucking ridiculous. And then he... Uh, dumps it out in the thing again and throws the fry bag in it and like throws the thing down and is like alright fill it up and I said no couldn't you just keep the fries that you put in there and hand it out and he said fine I'll do it then and he shoved me out of the way physically and at this point as a testosterone fueled 18 year old (laughs) man I'm thinking to myself do I quit this job or do I dunk this man's head in the fryer (laughs) and I made I think I made the correct decision yeah
2: you made the adult choice
1: (laughs) I made the adult's choice to just fucking quit McDonald's that day because once someone physically shoves you like that's when I walk out like you physically put your hands on me it's over like I'm not fucking dealing with that
0: I've worked restaurant jobs before but I have never worked fast food I don't think I would last a day, honestly. People don't talk about the fact that
1: pay per hour and work per hour ratio, fast food workers do the most work out of anyone else in the U.S.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I hate it when people say
2: you're just flipping burgers because it's like no, like flipping burgers—that's you're you're doing everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, even at Pizza Hut, I make fucking minimum wage, and I do as much as the managers are doing. Like, yeah. I do every single thing. Well, it's just... And it's not like it's a job that's unneeded, because think about how unhappy you would be if there was no one to hand you chicken McNuggies, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: I would cry. <laughs> I would really cry.
0: Honestly, like, I've I have worked restaurant jobs, and I think food service is probably like I don't know there's just something inherently awful about having to work food service like I i am so yeah. happy that I don't have to work food service anymore even though I'm not doing what I love to do I don't mind my job that much I actually have a job now where I wake up in the morning and I'm like eh gotta go to work and it doesn't bother me Yeah, and it's weird because I've never had a job that I didn't mind waking up going to until this job. And that's why, you know, even though I'm, you know, I'm not rich or anything, but I I make a comfortable living. I get to do what I like to do, uh, go out at night and do comedy. I still get to play music. So I'm quite happy where I'm at in life. But man, if I ever had to go back and work a restaurant job, I would rather just be homeless
2: mm mm-hmm. I think having a regular schedule is super important for a performer. And restaurant jobs, they think they're more important than your fucking life.
3: Yeah. Oh, they, I in, in resta- that. And restaurants
2: are stupid. Restaurants are dumb. And I think this is my favorite part of the, about, about the pandemic is that it it's revealed to a lot of people. It's like I can cook really beautiful things and like have beautiful food in my house. And restaurants is an archaic fucking system that's built on exploitation. Which the waiters that are making a lot of money will like defend it and shit. But if you, a lot of waiters aren't, they're just not.
0: Yeah. Well, another um, thing too uh, about they, restaurants is they don't give a shit if you're sick. Like they just want you there. I can't tell you how many times I, I had to go to work, working for a restaurant and just being, you know, deathly ill, running a fever. Vomiting and having to go to work because you can't find anybody to work. Your and shift.
2: Doing it at the same time. Yeah, and you're telling your boss, it's coming out of both ends. Yeah, and she's like, "Okay, I'll be there in a couple hours."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really had to fight to get time off uh when the doctors told me I had to quarantine because I got ex- uh, exposed to COVID at work because one of my employees has like a whole house or one of the managers. Has like a whole house full of COVID positive people. And I had to like really fight to get 48 hours off so that I don't, you know, possibly infect 100 people.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing too is like with all this going on, do you really think that there aren't people that are have COVID like working right now at the fast food places? Yeah. I guarantee you there there are 100%. 100%.
1: When this happened, I was the only person that got tested. And I got my test results back within 24 hours negative. Yeah. No one else fucking got tested. And I'm like, one of y'all motherfuckers has it. I know for a fact one of y'all do. I'm wearing my mask all the time in that yeah. bitch.
0: But, eh. but it is yeah. ridiculous,
2: man.
1: I get called in I every got... day. Oh, that's like, another I
2: thing. I have been... I think I've been exposed probably... In my various things. Well, I think when I was working for Michael Bloomberg, I touched every house.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I tu- yeah. Of so <laughs> oh, many doors. Okay. That, like that was at the beginning of COVID. Uh, like, capitalism doesn't care.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully, after all this, we realize that we need to make some serious changes to our system. And uh, I think one of the things that would go a long way in helping that is not only should we get um, mandated at least two weeks vacation every year for every employee to not go crazy. We need to have health care in this country. And I am a big proponent of, uni- of basic universal, uh, universal basic income. And I think that's something we seriously need to, to think about because... In the next five years, automation is going to take away so many jobs. It's going to literally turn... People's heads are going to explode at how many jobs are lost because of automation and artificial intelligence. They're going to take over so many jobs, like truck drivers. There's not going to be such thing as a truck driver in five years. So what are we going to do to kind of offset and make people... And I know the argument is like, oh, you give people a thousand dollar a month, they're not gonna work. Who the fuck's not gonna work if they're just making a thousand dollars a month? Nobody can live off yeah. of that.
2: Well, no, like I can't. I definitely can't. I could live in a shoe. I would but, still yeah. um, yeah. work. Here's what, what I think, moving take... somewhere more liberal. Um, like Colorado has better services and shit. Like when during the pandemic, um. I was able to qualify for Medicaid, like, full fucking Medicaid, which I couldn't get in Alabama at all. I was able to get food stamps really easily, which even when I qualify for in Alabama, like, the system would fuck me over so many fucking times. And it's just, like, I'd give them a form, and they act like I don't have it, and then I got to wait longer. And then, oh, you made $1 too much this month to qualify for EBT. They deliberately try to fuck you over. So I moved here. I have... I have free therapy, first of all, with Medicaid.
3: Whoa, I have free yeah.
2: dentist. I got to get go a dentist for the first time in six fucking years. Mm-hmm. They wow. like filled all my teeth. They it, took one of them. I won't let them take my front teeth though, because those are my money makers. <laughs> but they've been taking the back me.
0: And also, too, um, if I used
2: people... to chew tobacco, so it's just fucked up. It's fucked up in. There. You
0: know, um, if, if but like, were... I
2: have mental health care access. I have food. I have like dentists and these things made my life better. Like exponentially yeah, yeah. fucking better. And in Alabama, people say, I can't have those things. People say, I'm not allowed to have those things. Like when shit's really bad. And like, here's the thing, I'm fucking mentally ill. I'm a fucking insane person. I need medication and now I can get it. Yeah. And it's like, suddenly it's like my life is good and I'm productive. Yeah. And it was that fucking easy. It, it was just moving to a place where the government actually takes care of you, and like wants you to vote, as opposed to a place where the government just like fuck you. Yeah. Like, fuck oh fuck Sandy Simpson, Marimobile, fuck KIV,
0: and well, fuck the a thing closet is, lesbian. It, Though yeah. I'm not
2: bashing her for being a closet lesbian because I'm queer. <laughs> it's cool that she's a lesbian. It sucks that she sucks.
0: Yeah. Fuck KIV. And if you're if American sit all American citizens are given a thousand dollars a month, think of all the stuff people could do with it. I mean, people could go and get, you know, dental work done. People could go to the hospital and have procedures that they need done. Me personally, I would take that $1,000 a month and invest in it so that maybe one day I could fucking retire. <laughs> As of right now, yeah, I'm going to real. be I'm going to be working until the day I drop dead because I don't have a retirement plan. you going to be in security. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah it's that's the same
1: with my dad, dude. He has no retirement plan and he's 51.
0: Yeah. I can't say. No, tell with you, no money saved. I guarantee you, 90% of Generation X, my generation, has no retirement. And we have no hope of getting retirement because Social Security is not going to be there for us. The boomers have sucked yeah. everything dry, pretty much. And we're, we, we're left with nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, $1,000 a month would be great for me. Like, I would literally just quit my job because I make $400 a month working at Pizza Hut.
0: <laughs> yeah, but imagine if- I make could- $100 a week. Yeah, but imagine if you were getting that money, you know, the $1,000 a month, you could go get a job that you actually enjoy doing and not have to worry that is very about- true. About, you know- Yeah,
2: and money side- not have to work fucking like yeah. a billion hours a week and not have yeah. a life yeah. and then not be able to do it.
0: There's more family time. There's going to, there would be more uh, artistic endeavors. People want to start a business. You know, a thousand dollars goes a long way to starting your own business. Uh, and you know, just all yeah. that kind of stuff that people don't want to think about because all they think about is, well, who's going to pay for it, the tech taxpayer. Like you realize you're going to get a thousand dollars too, right? <laughs> because you're a taxpayer, yeah. like I don't or know about you. If the, if the answer was Mexico, we would have it already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, we're we're going on a hundred uh, an hour and twenty minutes, so we need to kind of get this thing yeah. wrapped up. So, uh, Genevieve, thank, thank you. you, thank you, thank you for coming on yeah, this show. Thank you and so much. I, I'm sorry we never you got to actually you. meet in person, but hopefully we will one of these days.
2: No, never do. Pandemics are gonna last forever. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I really think that this is normal. <laughs> like, so, this is uh, it. Uh, there will be no... Well, now I'll probably travel. I guess I've already... Are, are y'all doing comedy in Mississippi? What's going on with that? Uh, yeah.
0: Um, it,
1: it... It's extremely hard to get booked. There's a couple open mics.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if you want to make any money off of it, you can't, really. Yeah.
2: That's, um,
0: so um tell everybody i'm making
2: like a really small mom
0: tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs and your podcast as well
2: um so what i miss podcast uh with a capital d on the what so what i miss podcast oh i'm on soundcloud i'm on you know all the things also um like Podbean Bean and Stitcher and Apple and stuff. And um, I'm on Twitter at podcast. And I am on Instagram as the same thing. Um, I do comedy. I am going to be in Centennial, Colorado tomorrow. At 8 p.m. at Finn McCool's, if that's happening, everything changes day-to-day. Yeah. Yeah. It all changes day-to-day. You can find me in somebody's yard doing comedy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're listening to this and want to hire Genevieve to come tell jokes in your yard, uh, hit her up. Just look for So What Did I Miss podcast on all platforms. And thank you so much, Genevieve, for coming. Uh, just a side note for all of our listeners. Uh, we're going to drop our Patreon uh, by the beginning of the month. So August is going to be our first month for Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're going to just look out for that on Facebook. And, and we'll keep you guys updated, you know?
0: Yeah, um, Like, like, just keep us updated on everything. Uh, this weekend, this is probably going to drop Saturday morning. So uh, if you're listening to this Saturday morning, The Fretz for Pets is going on this weekend, and um, we just talked to Mark Simmons a few weeks ago, and uh, you just go on to Facebook, look up Fretz for Pets, and um, there's going to be stuff going on all weekend, and you can donate to to help the doggies and the kitties and all that stuff, and um, you'll see videos from me, Jacob... Uh, most of the coast comedians, a lot of the coast uh, musicians and all that kind of stuff. So keep an eye out for that this weekend. And please, if you have some extra cash, please help out the uh, the local animal shelters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and play our music. Um, and if you would like to send us an email, it is openmikerspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us at Podcast on uh, Twitter. And um, at on Facebook, too, Open Micros Podcast. So let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next Thursday.